following podcast is brought to you by Out the House Productions. Welcome to another episode of the We Make Florida podcast. I'm glad you guys came back. And on this week's episode, we're going to talk about the great news that happened on Wednesday when Miami-born, Florida native, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson became Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson. Yeah, we're not even talking about someone who's qualified for the bench. We're talking about someone who is overqualified for the bench. She went to Harvard undergraduate Harvard Law School. She worked as a federal appellate judge, a federal district court judge, a member of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. She also was an attorney in private practice and a federal public defender. This woman has been on all sides of the law. She has not only tried cases before a judge all the way to verdict, she has also ruled as a judge. And so this is a woman who's overly qualified for the position that she was appointed to. And we are blessed to be able to have her serve on the highest court of the land. And so to talk about that, back by popular demand, I brought two of my family members who have been or are currently still involved in politics in one aspect or another. It's my aunt, Sybil Holt, and my cousin, Kelly. So let's get right to our conversation. My beautiful ladies, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are backed by popular demand. We got so much uh, attention and praise for, for me inviting our family onto that last episode that there were demands for an encore. So you guys are back. Wonderful. Thank you. So the reason why I wanted to have you all back is because we just had something historic happen this week. And I thought, who better to talk about this with me than two members of my family who are uh, not only women, but Black women, and also Black women who've been sporadically involved in politics. So I am happy to have this discussion with my aunt, Sybil Holt, and my cousin, Kelly Taylor White. So welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Let's get into it. I wanted to, this first question's for Tisa. Okay. Let's talk about the historic nature of Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation. You have a unique perspective, I think, because you are someone who is pre-civil, born into a country pre-civil rights during the height of Jim Crow. So you have seen us progress beyond Jim Crow, and then you saw us go from Jim Crow to the war on drugs and we're sort of seeing us move away from, you know, talking about locking up uh, people as a means of, of rectifying societal harms. And you've seen the first woman be nominated to be president. You've, you've lived through the first Black president. Now we have the first Black vice president. And now, this week, the first Black Supreme Court justice. What does that feel like as someone born during Jim Crow? Well, the realization is, you know, you go through these transitions and you see change, but you know there's a lot of things that remain the same. You know, we have to work twice as hard to be viewed half as good half the time. 
it, it's just the way it is. Now we've made tremendous strides, governmental, you know, economically, but if you look at what's happening today, they ragged her, ragged her. And after they could not tear down her credentials, you know, her education, her experience, they still refused to accept that she was more than qualified. She had been the clerk for the Supreme Court's justice that uh, getting down. She was his clerk. She's a Harvard graduate. She's done it all. I mean, you cannot take away from what the, the experience this woman has had, but that didn't matter to any of them on the Republican side. How much more could this lady have done, have experienced, like educational-wise, community-wise? What more could she have done? No matter what we do, there's always going to be that aspect of America that will never accept us as equal. Never. Do you feel like the confirmation of now Justice Jackson was more of a reminder of just how hard Black women have to work in this world? Or was it more celebratory that someone has achieved this great accomplishment? Or was it a combination of both? I think it was a combination of both. In fact, the, it was a horrible reminder. You know, my mom, when we were growing up, used to always say, you're going to be a leader. So you can either be um, a good example or a horrible reminder. And this Senate, this uh, Supreme Court confirmation hearing was just a horrible reminder of how politicized our country has become, how our political leaders, and I say that with air quotes, but how our political leaders are more focused on their own personal agendas rather than finding what is the best um, the best candidate and the best votes for the nation as a whole. And I think it's sad, but I think it's also telling. And, you know, unlike a lot of families in, in America today, our fam in our family, we were raised to be more politically aware, more socially aware than I think many. And as a teacher, I found that to be true because when I would talk to my students, about things that we were made aware of and we would have roundtable discussions at the dinner table about, these kids had no concept of it. So I recognized and realized that our family, because of our un Uncle Matt's involvement in the civil rights movement, because of my mother's involvement in the desegregation of corporate America in the South, because of our grandmother's pains of watching her children going through these struggles. I recognize that our family is a little more conscience, conscious of the political ramifications onto our personal lives and our family lives than most people are. Most, I think that most families in America view the workings of Congress as something distant from them, something far away and unattainable and un, non-understandable, not understandable. But the reality is this hearing, because it was literally a view of someone who looked like us being raked over the coals, being 
talked down to and talked about in a way that did not befit her training, her education, her work, her work history. It was, it became personal. It was a very vivid reminder to a lot of Americans that no matter how far we think we have progressed, no matter how far we are told, and I again use air quotes, that we are that we have come so far, it only takes one step into a higher position for us to be reminded that it is the view of many in America that that's a step too far and based upon nothing more than the melanin within her skin. When you think about the trajectory uh, of the nation from 1619 to the present, a Black woman who sits on a court, the same court that said that she was not even legally human at one point in time. Does that say something about the, the nature of this country that in, in America, you can go from being considered not even human to sitting on the same court that deemed so two or 300 years ago? That doesn't speak as much to me because, you know, as my mom was just pointing out to me, Clarence Thomas has been on the Supreme Court, but has done nothing or very little, if anything, to to push forward, push forward black agenda, the agenda, sort. not just the black agenda, but the agenda of poor people, the agenda of minorities, the women. agenda of immigrants, the agenda of women, women, the agenda of freedom of self. He has done nothing. And so what this nomination has done is for the first time in a long time since Thurgood Marshall has been, this nomination has put someone on the court who actually understands and is likely to actually uphold the, the words and the meaning behind our constitution and not just the words and meaning behind a political party's agenda. And that's the whole thing in my opinion, Vern, is that our Congress is so divided that they care nothing about our constitution. They care about a party. You know, we're in a, a country that people look up to and here we are still almost half and half the uh, elected officials care more about the party than they care about our constitution. What does that say about us across the world? So when you, when you put this event of this week in the context of monumental things that have happened historically, where does it fit? Do you think there seems to be more hype around this? Does this seem comparable to when Barack Obama won the presidency? Does this seem comparable to when Thurgood Marshall got appointed to the Supreme Court? Does it seem comparable to when the Civil Rights Act passed in the 60s? Where do you see this particular week's events on the spectrum of historical events since you all have been alive? Lining up equally on the side of them, because when you look at you know, what happened you know, with Barack Obama, when he was elected, the Republican Party took a vow that they would never let him pass anything. And they worked very hard to achieve that. You know, 
after that, you know, when uh, Hillary, but they dragged her. It took um, uh, Cory Booker. Booker. He said, what more could you ask of someone who care about people, who care about children, who care about community, who care about education, who care about our constitution, who cares about every aspect that there exists. She has had life experiences. She didn't just pull this crap out of the air. You know, she has worked hard and long. What more could they ask for party over our constitution? stands out in my mind as someone who was born in at the end of the 60s early 70s i would say that um i would say that this this moment gave me as much pride in our nation as i had when kamala harris was uh was nominated for vice president as much pride as i had well, I don't know. We cried when Barack was nominated. I mean, we literally <laughs> cried. We cheered when 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 the justice was was vote when the justices vote came. We cheered when Kamala was was nominated. But we cried tears of joy, tears of um, relief, tears of I don't even know how to describe it. When Barack was nominated, it felt like. We had pride in this country that this country was finally taking a step to say we are who we we are who we say we are. They made an effort to do to be the country we have said in our constitution that we are. And I I I think this this nomination had this vote, um, this appointment to the Supreme Court has been. A, a moment of pride, and I, and I feel the pride as as an American. I feel the pride of this because, again, I feel like this nomination is America standing up and saying, "We are the country we say we are. We are the country that you that we read about in books and that we tell other countries we want to be. We we will stand up for the principles." that we have built this country upon. But I will tell you, when Barack got that nomination, it felt like it was not just as an American that we celebrated, it was as a people, as a human, the the human race, I think took a collective sigh and said, oh my God, we're going to behave as good humans. You know, let's be real. What her nomination for me says that little girls all over the world now can say, I too can be that. And she has a clear understanding. And that's what's of it. And she makes it known that if you have a dream, if you keep working towards it, you can make that dream happen. It's not that it's going to be easy. She is a light of hope in our eyes right. that one day America will again be the country it that we aspire to be. In her in her speech on the White House lawn uh, day before yesterday, I believe, she said uh, a number of great things, but one of the things that has been getting the most media attention was her quote 
of Maya Angelou. And I'm not familiar with the exact quote, but it basically is saying how she is uh, the, the personification of generations of dreams deferred, how she is the hope and the wisdom of the formerly enslaved. Did those words speak uh, to you? Did they speak for you? Was it everything you wanted to say but didn't have the opportunity? What was that, if you did see the speech, what was that speech and how to you? And uh, Vern, I think this is me personally as someone in, you know, upper middle age, <laughs> that those words have been powerful since they were first written by Maya Angelou. But when those words are quoted by someone who is clearly living them out, it becomes so much more powerful. Those words then become almost, you know how the Bible says, you can speak life or death with your words, with that's your right. tongue. And that's almost what it is. It's like you have now given life to those words and you have, you have embodied and literally personified the images that those words have evoked for decades now. You literally are the hope of those who have come before you, the dream lived out, and still we rise. And I'm telling you something else, Byrne. The truth of the matter is that, you know, that Supreme Court is going to be divided. But we now have another voice because I don't believe they're always divided because they're just racist and things of that nature. There may be one or two of them that have that. I don't know for sure. But I know, I believe that there are those on that Supreme Court that love the law, want to be right, want the law to be right. And she's added another voice to that. She is going to make a difference that we're just not going to believe. I'm optimistic and you know I'm the old lady in this group I'm 76 years old but I believe that you know change can be made and I believe it will be made in some instances well, other justices have not had the wealth of experience on both sides of the law that she has as a public defender as someone who's been in who has been there arguing the cases at the highest and the lowest levels she has such a fullness of her knowledge and experience in the law. It's not been one-sided. It's not been narrowly, narrowly tailored towards a projector. Her wealth of experience and skills and knowledge is vast and very um, widely spread and yet so deep into the law that I think she will bring a perspective and a set of knowledge and understandings that they have not had in a while. As we pivot to the next topic, I think it's certainly we can rejoice in this black girl magic, rejoice in the historic nature of this confirmation hearing, but now we gotta get to the haters. And so <laughs> I'm sure that, here, here's one of the things that I was like, you know how they always tell us that, you know, everybody's human and no matter if you're really famous or, you know, someone who's not so famous or well-known, you know, we're all human. We all go through the same things. And I was wondering 
when people were saying she only got the nomination because she was Black, it just made me think of so many other people who have been told that they are only where they are because of what they look like or because they're Black or because they're the, the quote unquote token. And it was like, wow, even a, har a double Harvard graduate Supreme Court justice exactly. goes through the exact same thing as Letitia <laughs> down the street. Right. But, you know, BJ, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to be bigoty, but, you know, I'm in my position and I get the same thing. Any black woman who rises to a position, my mother, you know, mom, yeah, you were the very first female uh, minority president of a state labor organization. And there's never you, been another one since. Right. But you got all kinds of haters to saying, oh, well, you know, you only got to that position because Victor Busey liked you and you only got there because of this totally negating your 30 years of hard work on the front lines of the labor unions. I get, you know, I get haters all the time because of my position. And I've had people literally come to me and say, well, how'd you get in that position? You must be friends with the governor. I really think it might have something to do with my multiple degrees and my year, 25 years of knowledge in, and expertise in this field. The good thing that came out of this uh, nomination process and these hearings is that even her haters, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, all of them, even as they said no, even as they voted against her, had to acknowledge she's super qualified. She's got a history of, you know, of wonderful, wonderful work history. Her education is beyond reproach. She's intelligent. She's smart. She's got a good record. They've all had to acknowledge her pluses before they tried to tear her down. The haters out there, as you so artfully coined them, say that she's the affirmative action nominee. Where does that come from? Because that's what they believe, that we can only get a position when they need a Black face, you know, to be the image, to give people the impression, you know, that they're being fair and equal when they just will not acknowledge, you know, like Kelly says, you know, the education, the work, the, the climb, the hard climb up the ladder, what you have to go through to get there. They just won't acknowledge that because the only way you could possibly get it because they just needed a black face. Like hell. Does it do anything to you all when, when the, the implication is that you're not there? because of your merits and your qualifications, but you're there to fill a quota or to uh, fill an obligatory position? Does it get to you? Does it bother you? I'll say that I get tired of it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not sitting here going, go, oh, come on, attack me some more. I get tired of it. <laughs> oh, but... so you're saying you do have those Will Smith moments, is what you're saying. <laughs> I ain't going that far now. <laughs> Although I will tell you, at some point last week, I did think, if you do not be quiet, I'm a Will Smith you. <laughs> so that's, that's where my mind goes now. I, I, no, I no longer call it anything else. Now it's, I'm going to Will Smith you in my head. <laughs> but um, I will tell you that, um, you know, it's not, 
it's not just a black female thing for me. I, I'm a woman of size. I am a queer woman. I am a black woman. So there are a lot of things that make people question why I am where I am. And so consequently, it, it, it bothers me sometimes when I get a call at 3 a.m. and when I get a call to take a 3 a.m. Um, Zoom call because I've been asked to give expertise to another country when they're doing a training. And I recognize that I am the subject matter expert in my field, not just here in Louisiana, not just in the, the United States. I am the subject matter expert in the world and the world recognizes it. And so often when I get haters here at home in the States is about the same time someone from Ireland calls me and asks me if I can come speak when, the, when COVID lets up or when I get a phone call and am asked to be on a training in Scotland at 3 a.m. I am able to, like the justice, uh, yeah, walk down my hall and go, <laughs> yeah, why are y'all questioning this? I'm freaking brilliant. That's why. That's why I'm in the position I'm in, because I have earned it. I have worked darn hard for it. And you have to have that attitude if you're going to survive. You can't let people get to you and have you doubt you. No, that's not going to happen. Not if you've done everything you could and should have done. You, you, you just can't let haters get to you. And recently, the roommates of Justice Jackson have all been interviewed, and these are three women. They were a group of four friends who've been knowing each other since they were in college. And she talks a lot about having uh, a group of affirming friends who are who who base who genuinely want the best for each and every one of them and to be as successful as they possibly be. Can you tell yeah. us the role that having those supportive friends in your life plays? I had a group of friends, both white and black. You know, they were not just my black girlfriends, but I had white and black girlfriends. And, you know, every time I would make some achievement, they would always say, we're going to give a banquet, we're going to do a dinner, you know, invite all our friends and stuff, because you just broke another glass ceiling, you know. And that's what we used to call it, a glass ceiling party, you know, a luncheon or something like that. Because every time I was able to do something that, you know, was not done before. You know, they say you have just broken another glass ceiling. I have a core group of friends. I don't have, um, I don't believe in having a whole lot of friends because I'm just, I just don't. I believe that if you have a whole lot of friends, they're not really friends. They're just acquaintances. That hang, <laughs> hangers on. No, I don't feel that way. I, I do. <laughs> but I do I'm with you, Kelly. Core, I do. I have a core group. And I, I will tell you that I have found from my own perspective that my core group tends to have similar um, perspectives as me and similar goals, not in the same fields. For example, I have a friend who is who was the first Black female engineer of major Fortune 500 company. I have another friend who is who was one of the first black female um, clergy to rise to a certain level. But that's, that's the people that I surround myself with. And the reason 
is because no one understands what it's like to have all of the arrows pointed at you unless they've at some point had them pointed at themselves. I purposefully surround myself with others and particularly women and a lot of them women of color who I think are great and are the greatest. Yeah, I, I think I, I lean more towards where, to what Kelly is saying in that I don't have a large group. I mean, I can count my true friends on one hand and probably still have fingers remaining. Hello. Um, Hello. So <laughs> I am <Okay>. very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they know who they are. They know exactly who they are. Um, but I, it's very, I think I've been very selective in who my friends are. I have tons of acquaintances, but That's I really right. want friends to be. I need friends to be affirming because I'm an affirming friend, I feel. I want to be the inspiration in a friend's life because they are also inspiring. And so, I'm sorry, some, not everybody's equipped for that. <laughs> they just Exactly. And, and, and that's okay. It's okay for them to know. I'm not saying that they have to be. I'm just saying, you know, I, 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 I value the importance but, of having people who are going to encourage, enlighten, and bring and and bring a, a, an element of difference to my life experience. And BJ, let me ask you. I mean, because I think I think you have similar perspective to me, and that is that you had a lot of people fighting against you uh, in the beginning. I think you had a lot of people fighting against you when you first started your career. But as you grow, you you. I tend, and I think you've done the same thing, you call the, 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 the harvest and you only keep those who are building you up, who are supporting you, who are holding you down in your hardest times. I think the Supreme Court justice is the same way. She had a core group that was holding her down when things were tough and lifting her up when she was struggling. If you don't have that, you'll never achieve greatness. The rest of the world is not used to seeing a fat, black, queer woman be great. They don't know how to handle me, but my group does. And when the rest of the world is coming at me, both barrels blazing, my group is there saying, we got you, sis. Let me deflect this bullet for you. Let me take this one for you. And that's what it takes. I'm going to put a pin in this conversation because we can also get into how families, family members can also not be the people who they should be in affirming your trajectory of your life. But we're we going to put a pin in that. We're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> I'm going to do like my dear. Hello. Because <laughs> we talk about, we, we, we frequently have conversations about, about friends and making sure that we have a circle of friends, but that also applies to family. And Absolutely. so, <laughs> so, but we can talk about, we can talk about it. Yeah, that's that a whole nother podcast, okay? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any closing thoughts about what her swearing in and officially sitting on the dais will mean for you personally and will mean for the nation? Well, I would give anything to be there, to experience that, you know, to be in that, that room. 
in I don't know if it's going to be in Congress, if it's going to be in a okay, special Hamilton, place. You just want to be you in know, the room. Huh? I just want to be in the room. I, I really would. I mean, you know, I'll never get to see this again. I'm certain in my life. I'm Like I said, I'm 76 years old. You know, if I live another 20 years, that's what? 100? Damn near. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I would love to be able to do that, to just be in the room and see it with my own eyes. I think for the nation, it's it's going to be another one of those um, pin in a timeline moments, you know, and as as disappointing as some of the actions are of people in our nation, sometimes we have had a lot of timeline moments in, you know, in my generation. I think it's this is another one of those that will be monumental and just a date we will all remember when she takes when she takes her oath. And our great grandchildren will be reading about it in the history books. If they don't ban if they don't history. ban them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kelly and DJ. Okay. I don't know if I'm gonna put y'all on the same podcast. Again, that's another podcast we can talk about. <laughs> Everybody wishes that the winds came more frequently or faster. But the reality is, like I said, we have had some wins and we have to cherish those as much as we fight for more. Amen to that. Well, thanks <laughs> for joining us for another episode. Ladies are fun. Hopefully I can invite you back when we have another interesting topic. Would y'all come yeah, back? So, look, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and pass on that one about the family, okay? <laughs> 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 oh, Invite okay. somebody else to that one. <laughs> Duly noted. All right, guys. Good night, hey. sweetheart. We love you. <laughs>